Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, we're back, back to the future. Uh, back because this is the place where we spent 17 of our 20 years of existence right here in this place. And to the future, because this is the beginning of the next chapter that God is writing for this church. And I can tell by the applause and working with the volunteers, all the countless hours uh, spent stringing lines and hanging lights and everything else, having the cops come because we're setting alarms off and everything else. It's a great time. And we're back, back to the future. So uh, thanks to the volunteers. Uh, just a reminder, because we're having that technical difficulties next door, if you get, if you got a seat beside you, just invite somebody to sit beside you, make a new friend. Uh, there are some seats down at the front here, and I won't bite, I promise. So come and, and, and grab a seat. And happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I know they're all sitting there like, hurry up, dude. I got a car show to go to in Qualicum. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. So in case you're joining us for the first time, I want to say welcome. My name's Gary. Uh, we're smack dab in the middle of a series we kicked off at the beginning of June called Dashboard. And what we've been doing is uh, looking metaphorically at the dials and the gauges and the lights on a dashboard uh, that indicate what's going on under the hood, how the engine's running, and comparing that, those dials and gauges and lights, to the indicators that we have in our own life that let us know how things are going on in here. And so far, we've looked at the speedometer, and we compared that to the pace of life and how we seem to just zip through each day and how we'd be better to just kind of slow down and be quiet with God. And the challenge was is to spend five minutes alone with God every day this month to kind of build in a habit. And then last week we looked at the temperature gauge and this thing called anger and how it can quickly get a hold of us. And, and if you've missed any of those messages, you can catch them online. Today we're going to be looking at something that is relatively new to the dashboard. It's uh, called navigation. You know, those GPS navigation screens. Uh, if you've have one in your car. You know, some people use their phone. But since the advent of GPS navigation, we all know how good they are and how, it, how helpful they can be when you're traveling through a new city or a new town trying to navigate the streets and figure out where you're going. Uh, quite a few years ago, long before the advent of GPS navigation, before it was a thing, my wife and I, Lori, we surprised our kids who were quite young at the time with a trip to Disneyland. And so we flew down, and which meant we wanted to rent a car so you know, we could get to the hotel and then do a bunch of the other things you do when you're in SoCal, like going to Knott's Berry Farm, Tijuana, San Diego Zoo, Universal Studios, all that kind of stuff. So we arrive in LA, we go get a car, and I successfully navigate us to the hotel without getting lost. It was amazing. And then we went and we saw Knott's Berry Farm, Universal, San Diego, all that stuff. Everything was going great. Until the day we decided to go see the Queen Mary. That's that ocean liner. The reason we were going is we were down there at Halloween. And they had this thing decked out, no pun intended, like a floating, like a floating haunted house. It was a ghost ship. And they had a little kid's area but they had an adult area. I think I was more excited to go than the kids, you know, going down these corridors and ghouls and goblins jumping out at you. And so we all hop in the car. And before we left, I opened up the map. You remember those things, you know, paper and you opened them up and then you could never fold them back the same way. I mean, if you want to test your temperature gauge, just buy a map and try and fold it back up. Anyway, I went through and I went, yeah, okay. I know where I'm going. 
every guy's famous last words, right? I know where I'm going. So off we went. And the route was taking us. It was that long beach is where the Queen Mary is, which is kind of in an industrial section of town, just south of Compton. This is where our route took us. And so we're heading down. And we navigate through this, this industrial section of town, and I can see in the distance the Queen Mary. The only thing standing between us and it is a bridge, and apparently one wrong turn. Uh, because I turned left instead of right, or right instead of left, I can't remember. But I'll tell you, once I made that wrong turn within a block, we knew we were in the wrong part of town. As I d- slowly drove through the streets, kind of trying to find my way back to the main road, there was groups of young men like teenagers hanging around the street corners staring at us glaring in the car and the looks on their face were like what are you doing homie like what are you doing in this part of town man are you nuts or what and you know the kids are in the back seat they're totally oblivious to what's going on my wife not so much she's pleading with me like get us out of here and i'm i'm like honey it's i'm trying to be reassuring it's fine it's, it's okay, but underneath, I'm like, we got to get out of here, man. This is not good, right? We finally make it out after a few t- tense moments and a couple of more wrong turns. We get back to the main road, and I'm like, we're not going to the Queen Mary because I am not risking taking another wrong turn and ending up somewhere even worse than we just were. But with today's technology, I could have made it there, no problem. The chances of taking a wrong turn are greatly reduced because you just simply punch in your destination... And right away, the GPS just maps out your route. It even has a voice, you know, turn right in 300, km, or 300 meters or take this off-ramp or this on-ramp. And the neat thing is, I don't know if yours does this. Uh, I've got one on my phone, actually, a navigation unit. And what it does is it not only traces, gives you your route, but it traces where you've been. So you can actually, at the end of the day, look and say, yeah, this is where we were. Kind of cool. And so I thought, with today being our first day back here, It'd be cool to kind of do the same thing, to just look back at where this all started, you know, just a quick thumbnail sketch, and then talk about where we were going as a church. So 20 years ago, this place, the meeting place, was just a dream. A dream that started with a a small handful of people uh, who had found freedom and peace and grace through God's love, and, and that experience changed them. And so they began to hang out together, and and they would hang out in backyards and have barbecues. They'd hang out in their living rooms. And slowly, that that group began to grow. It began attracting people from different backgrounds, some people that were new to the whole God, Jesus, church thing. Uh, But mostly, it was made up of people that had been burned by the church somehow, hurt by the church somehow, religion. And together, as they got to know one another, they realized, you know what? Those bad experiences we had were just that. They were bad experiences with religion. They weren't bad experiences with God. They were caused by imperfect people who just got caught up in the religiosity, the rules and the rituals, rather than focusing on an honest journey and a relationship with God and with other people. And so they would talk about that. And they began to imagine and dream, and they asked themselves this question. What if church could be different? What if church could be, what if there could be a church without all the religiosity, all the rules, all the rituals? A church where guilt and fear and and shame weren't used to manipulate and control people. 
A church where everyone would feel not only welcome, but accepted. To, to belong, that no matter what they have done, not done, what's been done to them. A place where you could belong without having to believe. A church where your doubts and your differences and your different perspectives could be shared openly without any fear. You know, they, they had no idea if this was even possible. Some people even said, you know, you guys are nuts, it'll never work. But that group of people, some of them who are still here today, decided to step out in faith and see what would happen. And so in 1999, the Meeting Place Church was born. And they had a vision. And this is what the vision was. To be a church for the over-church, the anti-church, the de-church, the skeptic and the curious. A church for people who didn't like church. It was a great vision. Key word was. Because that vision has been realized. It's come to fruition. That's who we are as a church. And so don't miss this. We always will be. Uh, I never want us to forget or lose sight of that fact. Which is why I would suggest that that original vision is now more of a core value. Because being a church for the over-church, the anti-church, the de-church, the skeptic and the curious is who we are and what we want to remain. But here's the thing. A vision doesn't call you forward into your next season. Vision does. A vision gives you, you purpose, something to, to shoot for, to focus on, to, to move toward. And in that way, a vision is much like a destination that you punch in on your GPS or your navigation system. It gives you a point that you can see in the distance. And it allows you to, to focus on that and say, what are the possibilities when we get there or on the way there? I heard it put this way. Vision is the beginning point for leading the journey. Vision focuses. Vision inspires. Vision is our alarm clock in the morning. For those days that you just don't want to get up and do it, it's a thing that swings your feet out of bed. It's our caffeine in the evening. So when you're tired, it just gives you that extra shot. Vision touches the heart. Vision is the picture in your mind of what could be and what you hope will be. Back in early November... Uh, Just a few short months after becoming the lead pastor here, a a dream began to take hold in my heart. A dream that I'd been asking God to give me. It was just like, you know, what's next for us as a church? And of course, I wanted it to align with what he wanted for this church. And slowly, one began to take shape. And what started to take shape in my heart uh, heading into winter last year uh, came from some words that Jesus said, as he was teaching some, fall, some people that had decided to follow him. And these words, you know, over the years, I've heard them hundreds, countless times. Read them countless times. But this time, there's something different. And here's what Jesus said as he was talking to these people that had decided to follow him. He, he looked at them and he said, You, you are the light of the world. I read, I remember reading that. And like I said, I've read those words countless times, heard them countless times. And this time something was different. It was like, it was personal. It was like he was talking to me. And I was, and I was sitting there going, who, me? Are you sure? Me, the light of the world? Yeah, not you sure about that. And so I sat with it for a minute. And, and what began to take shape is I, I began to sense that these words weren't just for me. 
They were for this church. Because just after Jesus said, you are the light of the world, he said this. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. I couldn't get help but get the sense that God was, that's what God was calling us to as a church. To be that city on a hill. To stand out and not blend in. To be a beacon of hope in a dark and somewhat hopeless world. God had my attention, so I just kept on reading these words of Jesus. And he went on and he says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Put another way, what Jesus is saying is, man, if there's any hope for families, your family, if there's any hope for the people in your workplace, if there's any hope for your neighborhood, if there's any hope for your city, you got to shine. You got to shine. You got to take my light and shine it in the dark places. Just let it shine through you. And so, you know, a few months ago, uh, I called staff and leadership and said, hey, you know, we, I want to get together and share some things with you. And what I shared with them is what I just shared with you. That I really sense God calling us to be a light in this community. To be a city on a hill, a beacon of hope. And so we gathered together for a whole day and, and we tossed around different thoughts and ideas and we prayed and then we discussed some more ideas. And what we were trying to do is attempt to, to hone and sharpen the vision that I sense God had for us as a church into a sticky statement. You know, something that was portable and memorable so that you could just, anybody could remember it with ease. And so we just kept talking it out. And this is what we came up with, okay? This is our vision heading forward. We want to be a church that is known for unleashing God's extravagant love on this city. We want to be a church that is known for unleashing God's extravagant love on the city. Now, that word extravagant, we kind of camped on that for a little while. There's all kinds of descriptors used. Outrageous, ridiculous, unconditional. I mean, it just went on and on and on. So I just chose extravagant. You can use whatever word you want or you just drop it out and say unleashing God's love. But being a church that's focused on serving this community, that's what swings my feet out of bed in the morning. That's what, as I said, the lead team puts the fizz back in my pop, so to speak. And it freaks me out a little, but that's okay. Because as pastor and author Craig Rochelle once said, if your vision doesn't compel, move, or stir people, your vision is too small. You know, honestly, I don't know what unleashing God's love on this city actually looks like. You know, I... But that's maybe what freaks me out because I don't know because that's where freakiness lives, right? When you don't know something and you're just like, well, let's try it. I, I, it excites me that, you know, all the possibilities of the way this church can impact this city. And maybe as you're sitting there, you think, well, yeah, I can think of a few ideas. I'd love, I'd love to hear them. But here's, here's the neat thing. We've already been doing some of this. We've already been unleashing some of God's love on this city. And we, do, we did it when we, a couple of times, a few years back, when we highlighted 
various organizations that are in this city that serve those who are vulnerable and at risk. Uh, Organizations like Loaves and Fishes, uh, Crossroads Crisis Pregnancy Center, which you saw in the preview. Today's the day to bring your baby bottle back. And if you're sitting there going, oh, I forgot mine at home, bring it next week. It's okay. Uh, The Crisis Line, Salvation Army, Camp Quanos with a campership fund. And we want to continue highlighting opportunities that are in our community where others are already doing some great work. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel and say, hey, there's a need over there. We should do something about it. It's somebody probably already is. We can just come alongside them and say, hey, how can we help you? And the last time we did this, the last couple of times we did this, we did interviews with the staff and stuff. They kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's like, why are you doing this? Like, what's the catch? And it's like, there is no catch. We just simply want to let people in our church community know what you guys are doing. And maybe we can come alongside you somehow. Volunteers, financially, just praying for them. And we want to continue to do that. But I want to see us do more of that. And again, what that looks like exactly, I don't know. Here's what I do know. When we have done that, highlighted those various organizations, allowed them to come, you know, up here and in the lobby, we have experienced the highest amounts of people attending here and giving generously. Now, of course, that's not the reason to do that stuff. But honestly, I believe that when we get intentional about practically loving this city, God responds. And he responds in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. And one thing seems very clear to me, that when a church steps outside its four walls, the people inside will never be the same. To be externally focused, to get out there and share God's love and partner in Jesus' mission to shine his light into the dark places in this world can sound freaky. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, you're right, dude, that is so not me. But that's where the excitement is, isn't it? Stepping out like those people did back in 1999 when they launched this church. They didn't know if it would work or not. Sounded like a crazy idea, but they did it. And thankfully they did. Here we are, right? Yeah. Now, for an example of how, how, this, how, how this is energizing and exciting, if you were at TMP Without Walls just a couple of weeks ago, you know, helping clean up the streets and the, the warehouse and being part of the barbecue team that, uh, you know, when we put the barbecue on for the neighborhood, I know lots of you had conversations. I had a few conversations with myself and the people that lived around there, and they were just blown away. They're just like, why... This is just not, this is weird. Like, why are you doing this? It's just because we love you. That fires me up. Along with recasting our vision, you know, to be a church that is known for unleashing God's extravagant love in this city, we freshened up our mission statement too. And at its core, our, our mission statement fulfills our, the old one, which our old one is to help spiritual seekers become fully devoted followers of Christ. And our new mission is stated in just a simpler way. And so here's our new mission statement. It's to simply equip people to love God and love others every day, everywhere. To equip people to love God and love others every day, everywhere. And as staff and leadership, we're committed to this. That's why we're keeping our service at 1030 for the foreseeable future, because we are convinced 
that we need to keep providing the Sunday morning courses that we kicked off last fall. Courses that are designed to accelerate your spiritual growth with practical tools, uh, grow deeper companionship with others and with God, and walk beside people that are right here with you. And since we've done that, the conversations that I've heard that are happening in the hallways has increased a hundredfold. Instead of just seeing a person and going, oh yeah, I, I see them here all the time. It's like, hey, how's it going? What's going on with that thing you were talking about last week? It builds that relationship. When I close my eyes, think about this place, this church, how I'd like to see us known, this is what comes to mind. That we're a ragtag collection of surrendered and transformed people who love God and others and are mesmerized by the idea that this is not about us, but all about Jesus. We are transfixed by his story and his heart for our city. We are seed throwers and fire starters, hope peddlers and grace givers, risk takers and dreamers, young and old. We empower the poor. Strengthen the weak. Embrace the outcast, seek the lost. We serve together, play together, worship together, and live life together. And we believe that small things done with great love will change this world. And that fires me up. And I hope it does you too. So what do you say? Are you with me on this? Like, do we want to be this church? Uh, you know, I am, I am so honored to be on this journey with you guys uh, together on this, the beginning of this new journey, because that's what this is. This is an opportunity for us to have an impact on this city that will point people to the God that created them, thought about them, brought them into existence, and loves them beyond anything they could ever imagine. And I think that sounds pretty cool, and I'm glad you're here with us on this journey. I invite you to pray with me. God... <laughs> Your love is outrageous. It's extravagant. In some ways, it's ridiculous because it doesn't make any sense. And yet, we saw the greatest demonstration of that love when you died on the cross. And then you backed it up by three days later walking out of the grave so we could have a way back into a relationship with you. I just pray that as a church... We would just think and and get creative and think out of the box uh, because you're a big God and and you've got some ways that we can impact the city that we can't even begin to even see right now. And so we just want to open ourselves up to your leading. This church is all about you and about reaching the lost. So thank you that we're plan A and there is no plan B. Uh, Be with us. Uh, Be gracious with us. And help us to pass the grace and the mercy and the love that you've shown us on to others. We love you and we thank you for loving us. And we pray this in your awesome name. Amen.